Welcome to The Healing Hour. This is the official podcast of The Girl Healer. I'm Hannah Olivia, the creator of The Girl Healer. The Girl Healer's aim has always been to make a difference and create change in the world and the people in it through healing. Whether that be through guidance, healing words, written quotes, music, intuitive readings, insightful conversations and spiritual healing. I hope that this is a space for you to learn, grow, reflect and heal. Today we have the wonderful Jimmy on as a guest from the, That Meditation Guy. He teaches an ancient technique from the Himalayas that is scientifically proven to deliver transformative benefits. This is completely different from mindfulness and other styles of meditation that you might be aware of. Um, you might have tried different kind of techniques, but this particular technique melts away stress and leaves you feeling happy, energized and clear headed. I think these kind of techniques and skills are really for life. And once you get into a routine of practicing them regularly, they do change and transform you. Jimmy takes clients beyond the thinking mind into a place of peace, stillness, calm and silence. And life becomes easier when you delve into that altered state each day. Thank you so much for coming on to The Healing Hour, Jimmy. I hope you're well. Uh, Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm very well. Thank you. Oh, thank you for coming on. So today I wanted to chat to Jimmy about the power of healing through meditation. Meditation is something that I practice regularly and I offer regular healing meditation classes on different topics with my own clients and they are specifically geared to healing really. So I go on and on about the benefits and importance of this practice to my followers and my clients from a spiritual perspective, how it helps to get clarity and answers and connecting with spirit, but also how it impacts our health and emotional well-being in a positive way. So I thought it was really crucial to do a podcast to delve in deeper on this topic and its healing perspective. So how did you first get into meditation, Jimmy, and what brought you on this path? Well, it's a funny story, really, because unlike a lot of people who are into meditation, it started for me when I was into the nightclubbing scene back in the early 2000s. I was into the DJing world and going to Ibiza and partying and all of that, and what happened is after quite a few years of living that kind of a lifestyle, burning the candle both ends, I found I had some mental health problems and some physical problems as well. The mental health problems were mainly insomnia and depression, and the insomnia was really crippling my life. And I started looking around for some way to solve this problem. It didn't even occur to me to go to a therapist or anything like that. I think probably that's due to my age uh, or maybe being a male or maybe being English. I'm not sure, but I kind of wanted to keep it quiet and just find some way to solve this problem. And alcohol and pills or things like that, they can help you, of course, get to sleep, but there are lots of side effects. And so something wholesome that I could use um, was what I was looking for. And meditation kept coming up as some uh, a possible way to treat these problems that is scientifically proven. And that really mattered to me at the time because I was very much against anything religious or spiritual. So meditation really spoke to me. And I started out with doing guided audio meditation CDs and it worked a little bit, but not much. And then I moved on to a mindfulness class Uh, which definitely helped me understand myself a bit better. And it put me into quite a good place uh, while I did the practice, but I found that I didn't stick with it for some reason after the course was over, I didn't stick with it. So I carried on looking because I just hadn't found my style of meditation yet, but I was sold on meditation as an idea. I really felt that's what would help me. And at some point I came across uh, somebody who lived around the corner from me, a lady 
who was teaching something she called Vedic meditation. Yeah. And she promised me it was a kind of uh, ancient style of practice, but it was also scientifically proven. So I went along to one of her courses and I was a bit surprised at first because it was very spiritual in nature. There was an Indian guru on the wall and lots of <laughs> candles burning and things like that. And I was a bit put off, but I thought stick with it. And now, of course, I look back, I understand what that is. It's a puja ceremony. It's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. But um, at the time, you know, I wasn't in that space. But anyway, once we got down to it and I learned the meditation, I found it to be really, really powerful. It was so restful and so rejuvenating that I went home after learning that and I just went straight to sleep and slept for like 12 hours or something. And within four days, my insomnia problem was completely solved. Wow. And I, that was it then. I was just hooked. I was still in the same mindset of I'm not interested in spirituality or anything like that, but I just knew there was something good happening when I did this. So I kept it up 20 minutes twice a day, every day for a few years. And my life just got better and better and better. And at some point, there was a shift where I thought, wow what's going to happen if I start going on retreats and do advanced courses? And uh, what, what, how can I go deeper? What are other meditation practices out there? And so it just kind of uh, bloomed in that way, very natural, very organic to a point where after a certain number of years, I just thought, I, I just want to pass this on to other people. And so yeah. eventually I did uh, teacher training courses and before I knew it, yeah, I've ended up doing this full time. So do you feel like your spiritual journey, obviously you were approaching it from a scientific, scientific perspective, but do you feel that the spiritual journey kind of came gradually and then now you kind of see both sides of it a bit more? Absolutely, yeah. Because the reason I was against spirituality before was because I had this religious idea that what spirituality meant was that there is a God who is somehow separate from everything. He was in yeah, another place. Yeah, this is the problem, you, isn't you it? With how we're you... educated. I know yeah. my daughter was talking about this the other day and I said, it's not a, a person on a cloud. Like I really had to emphasize to her that God is in all of us and it's an energy and it's part of us. And, and so I think I, because of me being her mummy, she'll be okay and I'll be able to teach her this. But I feel like children come into the world and we're taught in this way that we're separate to it and that when we're naughty, we're punished and that we'll go to hell. And, and it isn't like that at all. Absolutely. Yeah. I came with all of that baggage because I was kind of uh, brought up Catholic. Right. My husband's a Catholic. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's very, very open. Don't get me wrong. Otherwise he wouldn't be married to me. Um, and in fact, my children are, are at Catholic schools, but it wasn't because I necessarily wanted them to go to a Catholic school. It, the, I loved the, um, the way the school was. It was very much about being there for others that have less than you. It was very much um, being gracious for um, accepting things. They do a lot of mindfulness, they do forest school, and they're not big on really imposing Catholic, um, the Catholic, um, oh, my words are going here, religion onto you because it's got boarding as well there. So they have um, children from Asia and all over. And I love that whole multicultural feeling of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't look back on all of that and think, oh, it was all bad. 
Um, I think there's lots of great morals from it. Yeah, it is a grey area, and I think there's lots of great morals from it. There's a there's certain elements of the Catholic um, religion that I I don't agree with, and I feel is quite wrong, especially with regards to um, gay and things like that and divorce. However, there are many elements that I feel are morally quite good for upbringing. So it's a real, like you say, that it's it's a bit of a grey area. And but it's lovely that you know you're so open minded as you've grown up from being a Catholic that you're happy to. To kind of see a bigger perspective that's it yeah i got really fascinated by eastern spirituality because i was having these experiences in meditation which couldn't be explained scientifically and then i started to recognize oh hang on in these old books like the yoga sutras of patanjali and uh, in oh. the vedas it quite clearly talks about these things i'm having direct experience of and so that opened me then that was it i i became absolutely fascinated by how Eastern wisdom traditions have been exploring consciousness for thousands of years. Yeah. And, you know, going back to um, that point you were talking about, like, about having like a, a heavy lifestyle and kind of needing something to get you back on the path. It's really interesting you, you saying that because I feel it's all about getting our mind into a place where it's ready and accepting. So you can have someone who really wants to make a change and then you can have someone else who's kind of on that path and they're just not ready yet and you obviously had come to a place in your life where you were completely ready um i have clients that will come to me and i know that they're not quite ready yet to to heal if that makes sense and i know healing and meditation are two different things but they very much can come together and i feel like you have to be ready and so you came to a place in your life where you thought you know what now i really want to kind of not leave that seen completely behind but get myself into a state where i'm balanced again yeah that's it yeah we all just want to be happy don't we and so yeah. we constantly seek out different ways to be happy to and be happy so sometimes the things that work for a while they stop working and even become the poison well they do and and you know i have a lot of clients with different addictive behaviors or addictive issues and from an intuitive perspective and lots of studying, I've noticed that a lot of the time we do these things to mask out something within us that's not happy, like you say, or an insecurity or a trauma from childhood. And we're using these substances or these high experiences to just block out how we're feeling and it's just a buzz but it doesn't last forever and it can be harmful whereas meditation is such a you know a non-harmful practice that you can do all the time and it will literally give you that same feeling yeah yeah it can be a, a natural high and in the early days that's a really great way to help get you off the addiction to the other kinds of highs yeah Absolutely, absolutely. I really think that's important to to look at that because I feel that so often people will say, oh, you know, addiction is is kind of an ancestral thing. And I know yours wasn't an addiction. Yours was kind of just having a good party lifestyle. And I think hats off to you because I loved kind of going to clubs and things. But I think when we're looking at things from the perspective of someone who has got an addiction, and I do see, I do see a pattern of like a father with alcoholism and then the, the client that's coming to me saying that my dad was an alcoholic and there's this continual ancestral pattern that needs to be healed. And I feel that you have to get to that root cause of why it's happening. And then that is when you can kind of bring meditation into play. But when we continue to just drink or use drugs, we're just literally masking what our problem is. And I know you mentioned um, in a previous recording that we did about kind 
kind of you could have taken sleeping pills and, and that would have helped but again that is just masking a problem it's not actually really getting to the root cause absolutely absolutely yeah you know you never you never sort of conquer it that way so no. yeah if you, you you need to find a way to work with the mind um, in order to find peace with whatever's going on if you're just pushing things away you will always be involved in an inner struggle and it's learning to stop struggling is what brings the big changes absolutely it does so jimmy how do you feel it's changed your life being on this journey well for me i feel like i was really struggling with mental health problems and then the meditation came along and after a bit of a journey trying to figure things out and find my style I eventually found this place where I was just at peace with my own mind. It's not that my life was always suddenly perfect or anything like that, but I found a kind of balance, a kind of inner harmony and inner equanimity. And I didn't need to be constantly attached to, you know, an electronic device or constantly having some kind of distraction going on. I was able to just be with myself, happy and content, uh, without those things and the knock-on effect with that of that was huge you know my my drinking problems started to just fall away naturally rather than me having to do something I didn't never went to any kind of AA program or anything like that I just found those problems started to fall away naturally and I became more creative and more inspired in the kind of work I wanted to do and it was quite gradual but it was or very, very noticeable. For example, what I loved about it was the way that the changes came naturally rather than me having to make a big plan. So I used to eat a lot of junk food and I was quite overweight. And I just found myself quite naturally not craving that kind of food anymore and wanting to eat more healthy food. And it's almost like the meditation was reprogramming me. And then I was enjoying the benefits of that new programming as it was coming out. Yeah, that's so fascinating you say that, Jimmy, listening to you, because obviously you've done all this on your own, but it really sounds familiar to the kind of healing work I do. So like, I have had clients with addiction and I will do a session. And then afterwards, this, I, I spend a lot of time reprogramming the subconscious and deleting old files and things like that. It's quite complex, but what's really interesting is just a client yesterday, this guy, he has been quite heavy in drugs, alcohol, smoking for many, many years. And we kind of had a chat and I said, spirit is telling me you really, really just need to stop this now. And I, I could see a vision of his dad and his dad was in spirit and he was like, oh my gosh, how do you know what he looks like? And I said, he's reaffirming to you that this has to stop. Anyway, some, he had this light bulb moment, but I did a session with him. And this was probably about eight weeks ago now. And he said, I don't know what has happened, but I've been clean for eight weeks. I've started to just calm my mind more, sit in stillness. But also, like you said, his diet, he's just suddenly been much more mindful about what he's eating. And listening to you, it's literally like a mirror image. It's lovely. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Because these these different practices, they do work on you at an unconscious level. Yeah. And then your, your conscious actions start to change. So yeah, makes absolutely. And the sense. thing is, you had that innate ability to think, right, I need to do something about it. And then there's other people out there that just need a little bit of a guidance or help. And that's when I kind of came into play. Um, so I helped him get on that journey. But now I feel like really happy that he's kind of doing it now on his own. Well, and I just admire you for literally not even needing to reach out to anybody. 
Well, I should say that when on although I didn't reach out to anybody in that particular way, I did have good um, meditation teachers and perfect. Guides. So you did kind of you felt like you were supported. Yeah, yeah, in in a slightly different way. Yeah, they helped me with the practice, and then the other things kind of took care of itself. So I never really went to any um, therapist or anything like that. But I definitely had people showing me the way and yes, helping me not in their fall own into, way. Yeah, yeah. Into, into bad habits and things like that. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So why do you personally think that powerful, uh, that meditation is so powerful and healing? I mean, I've got my own reasons, but I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Well, from a more scientific perspective, there's a really kind of obvious reason that I discovered, because when I first looked at this, I said, this seems a bit too good to be true. You look at the list of benefits of meditation. Yeah. There's loads of them. And some of them are so not not related. You know, how can sitting there with your eyes closed meditating be solving your heart problems and also solving your insomnia problem? You know, yeah. it's like, what? But I realized that all of these problems, well, maybe not all, but 99% of these problems all have the same root cause or are exacerbated by the same root cause, which is stress. And if you can tackle the stress problem and get stress massively down, Mm. then a lot of these problems will just naturally heal themselves. The body's own innate intelligence will be able to come through and solve these problems for you. And that's what this meditation is doing, especially the kind of meditation I teach is really designed to put the body into a state of deep rest to relax the mind and allow the body's own inbuilt intelligence to kind of work things out itself by removing harmful stress chemicals uh, and hormones from the bloodstream, introducing new happy chemicals into the bloodstream um, and various other kind of biological mechanisms can kick in and take over. And slowly but surely, that will just start to have a really profound effect on your physical and emotional health. Yeah, I think that's the thing that people don't really realize. Like we, you know, I really took note at the beginning when you said about, you know, I could have taken pills and just carried on drinking. But what we do there is we're just we're never really fixing the problem. We're just masking it. And quite often this is like what antidepressants and things like that do. And what I think we're not educated enough in schools and, and as adults as well is that every single physical mental emotional problem we have comes from a stress or an emotional response so like you said if you're tuning off you're not only um clearing the mind relaxing the mind so it's not overthinking it's not over analyzing but you're also going to in, into a state of calmness so everything has that knock-on effect mm. That's right. Yeah, this, the, because the the physical and mental stress is usually caused by disturbing thoughts Absolutely. or rumination. Yeah, and if you can yeah. learn to have the even have those thoughts, but not be pushed or pulled internally by them, then everything gets a lot easier. Life just gets a lot easier. It does. And I think that some people actually, you know, you could have a night where you don't sleep that well, and then you're already thinking oh, I'm not going to sleep well tomorrow night. Oh, that's going to carry on. Like the way our mind works, it's really funny, actually. I do a lot of full moon stuff and you will get people that aren't really into it saying, oh, I never sleep well on a full moon. And it's because they've heard about it that they've already put 
put that into their subconscious that they're not going to sleep well. Now, I always sleep fine on a full moon, but I think it's because I've reprogrammed my mindset and the way that I live my life to know that actually I can conquer it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So many of my clients that, you know, as we're talking about kind of switching off, many of my clients struggle with relaxing and switching off when it comes to their meditation practice. They often give up um, quite quickly or they start meditating and then they'll fall sleep um throughout it um do you have any really simple techniques to help with this so that they can maybe be more alert i mean i often say if they fall asleep the meditation will still work on a subconscious level but i think it's more the switching off that they struggle with oh yeah it's a good question so there are different styles of meditation different traditions that have different techniques and sort of systems and ways of going about it and that will influence how you approach something like that. So for example, if I'm teaching mindfulness, then, and people say they're falling asleep, I say, well, there are certain things you can do if you want to avoid that. For example, you could shift to the front of your chair, straighten up your back. Um, You could even stand up and keep meditating if you like. You can open your eyes and meditate with your eyes open. No reason you can't do that. Um, however, when I teach the, uh, the mantra practice, the delve deep technique, I take a very different approach because as we were saying before, that's all about going into deep rest and allowing the body's own inbuilt intelligence to kind of take over and do what needs to be done internally. And so in that case, what I say is, right, if you find yourself falling asleep during these early meditation sessions, then just allow the sleep to come on. And like you just mentioned, it won't be a normal sleep. It will be a kind of yogic sleep, which is a deeper rest than your normal uh, sleep at nighttime anyway. And the reason you're falling asleep is because you have a sleep deficit. You're just not getting enough good quality sleep in your life. So you're handing over the uh, controls to your body to take what it needs. And in that moment, it needs sleep. But if you keep keep the meditation up every single day, twice a day, uh, just 20 minutes, twice a day, then you will actually catch up on that sleep deficit and the sleep problem will work itself out on its own. And most people, because their practice isn't consistent, they find that, you know, I'm just meditating two or three times a week, then I'm falling asleep. There's not really enough to fix that sleep deficit problem. But if you do it every day, the sleep problem will just pretty much resolve itself. And then you will start to become more awake and aware in the meditation itself. So it's all good. You can approach it in a couple of different ways. Um, But I with my with the people who do my course i tend to say let the sleep come and let's see if it just works itself out and if it does that's the ideal scenario absolutely Um, yeah for anyone who really struggles say their lifetime is lifestyle is really crazy like a celebrity or something like that where they're just working all the time i've taught a couple of those kind of people and i've said okay you need more more energy to cope with everything so do the meditation but also some alternate nostril breathing um, anybody who's into yoga might understand uh, how to do, uh, it's called Nadi Shodhana, a kind of alternate nostril breathing. You can do that for three to five minutes and that will really boost your energy levels and wake up both sides of your brain and give a, um, a bit of a different spin to the meditation. So that's another thing you can bring in. So there's a few ways you can approach it. It really depends on the person. Um, but yeah, it's very easy to solve that problem. Yeah. 
Well, also, I think when you do that nostril work, you're, you're getting oxygen in as well. And I think quite often we don't practice our breathing. We don't acknowledge how we breathe. And so for lots of people, they take very short breaths and they're not really properly getting the oxygen that they need in to give them that energy. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think the breathing practices and meditation go together so well, uh, well, as well as asana, the, the formal yoga postures, but not everybody can find the time to fit that in every day, but a little bit of breathing and the meditation together really, really um, improves the physical impact of the, uh, the practice. Yeah. And do you feel meditation needs to be a daily practice or, or do you feel that people can benefit from it, even if they do it here and there, if, if they've got a very busy lifestyle? I mean, I personally feel that everybody can find five minutes a day. It's about wanting to find it. But, you know, some people will argue with me, but I think if, it, if it's that important to you, you'll do it as, as important as eating. But are, if there are people that really feel that they just don't have the time, do you feel that it still ha does have a good impact, even if they were to do it maybe twice a week? Well, here's the thing. It comes down to state effects and trait effects. So if I meditate just one time as a one-off, I will likely enjoy a change in my state of consciousness. And that might make my day better. And that's really great. But it's not long lasting. I'll need to do it again in order to have that state change and enjoy the what comes from that. But if yeah. you keep doing it every single day as a, a daily practice and you put it in your schedule, like cleaning your teeth, you know, something you would never not do. If you keep it up in that way, and this is the way I was taught, eventually those state changes over and over again will combine into creating a kind of trait change, uh, a lasting change in your personality, how you feel about yourself, the world, other people, and uh, it will be reflected back to you quite easily in the way you interact with people, the way that you're not ruminating, the way that your um, personality just kind of shifts. And there's tons and tons of scientific research that shows that trait changes, long lasting personality changes will come from meditation. And so I find that 20 minutes twice a day is the kind of amount of meditation that most people can do where it's short enough that you can fit it into a busy lifestyle. Um, but it's powerful enough that within a couple of months, you will likely feel these huge shifts, these these like lasting shifts that will be with you all the time, even on the days where, let's say, you did at that point skip a meditation. You'll see you might feel a bit different because you didn't get the state change. But even then, there's something different about you. Um, and I would say that anybody can find that time because, you know, famous celebrities and um, really busy people, some of the world's most busiest people probably um, do this kind of meditation and have been for a really long time. Um, the people who say they can't find the time, what, I'm, what I've discovered with them is that what they really mean is they don't really believe that the ROI is there. They yeah. think that they'll do this, but it's not really having enough of an impact to make it worthwhile. Um, yeah. And the thing is, it's like anything you need to give it longer. And I feel like it, totally changes your emotional responses to things too and how you react so i notice people that meditate regularly how they react to situations is so much calmer and 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 like you know when people don't meditate they can kind of jump to conclusions or 
react in a certain way in a certain situation and I feel like everything has a totally different state of calmness it's like you're living in a different dimension I can't explain it but you just everything seems to just be able to be dealt with easier Mm. well that's true yeah and that that works on a, a mental and a physical level and there's good research on that as well they did this one piece of research where they were getting people and who meditate quite a lot and people who don't meditate at all and then they were putting putting them through a kind of stressor so let's say a really loud sound that comes on very quickly and then they looked at their um, physical response and what they found was that the meditators and the non-meditators both had an immediate stress response when this loud sound this horn or whatever it was um, came along and that's good because you want to be alert and you want your stress levels up in case some danger comes along. However, the meditators, once they realized that the stressor was no problem and there was no threat, their stress levels plummeted straight back down to baseline. Whereas the people who don't meditate, their stress levels stayed high uh, for a much longer period and it took them much longer to come down. So a small stressor in the morning could ruin a non-meditator's day. Whereas for the meditator, they're over it and it just doesn't stick. And all the difficult emotions that might come from it also don't stick. They can be let go of. So come the thoughts. And I really like this piece of research because that was exactly my experience as well. I used to be really struggling with life and everything that it threw at me. I still have probably a lot more problems than I did back then because I'm older and I've got more responsibilities. Yeah, I can handle them so much better because yes. I've got this practice. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. As we get older, we do have far more responsibilities, but the way I deal with things, I have so much more resilience um and and the way i you know and, and that's even coming from someone who just had eight weeks school holidays to deal with two children at home and i didn't have i will be honest with you as much time to meditate as i would normally because i would do a meditation in the daytime and then i tend to do one just before bed so i could continue my bed routine but the day one was very hard with an eight and a three-year-old because i literally every time i went to meditate i'd get mummy mummy so i completely agree with you on that completely that um as we get older we have more responsibilities but if we can try and reinforce those things then it will really make our life different and i felt over the summer i noticed i i was lacking a little bit of clarity and things were stressing me out a little bit more and that was because i had cut it down a bit mm. so i'm yeah. getting back on track again <laughs> so well i i know people with kids can do it because i have them on the course and i taught somebody recently who has six children <laughs> oh my gosh so really oh okay because my eight-year-old isn't too bad it's more the three-year-old that um just doesn't quite get it and i'm sure the more that she knows that I need some time out, the more she'll, it's like her energy is like, oh, mummy wants to be left alone, so I'll keep bothering her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, please don't get me wrong. Like I, I know having kids is, um, is massively changes the game and you, you, you can't always get it in there. Um, but yeah, the people who do, they definitely feel the benefits. And I, I've noticed some people say to me, oh, what I do is I try and get my little kids to meditate with me. And of course, they might only last two minutes, but. But it's, it's still two minutes. Yeah. And it, my older it, one, she will definitely get involved. It's the three year old who's not quite there yet. But I did notice that when I tried to get the, 
my elder one who's eight when she was three it didn't really happen so i think i just need to give it a little bit more time it might be an age thing oh um, yeah i don't want to push it and then it ends up turning them off if that makes sense um so but yeah i mean as i say it's really interesting on saturdays i feel that i will just say right i'm going off to this room and i will just lock the door and i think you do have to come to a state of at the beginning i felt quite guilty like oh my gosh i'm a mum and i'm going off and doing this but actually in the long run it actually has a much more powerful impact overall if you do become a little bit more selfish. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, yeah. And lots of people who I've taught have confirmed this back to me that their um, their their relationship with their kids gets better because they are taking this time for themselves. Completely. And in fact, some people even say to me that they even though they get some resistance from their partner and even from their kids at the beginning, after a certain point of time their partner or their children see the difference and they'll even say to them, Hey, mummy, have you meditated today? <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? My children haven't said that, but one thing I did notice is at the beginning, it was a challenge and I felt like it was the universe testing me because I'd, I'd be riddled with guilt and I'd be thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm studying and I'm doing this and this on a Saturday morning. But then as time went on, they knew it was part of their schedule and I think all it takes is for them to re have a routine and then once they realize this is their routine they don't even question it so much I think it was because the summer holidays was totally throwing things in the mix but when it comes to the weekend they're very aware mummy does her Instagram recordings then and she goes there and she does that then and so because they know that's part of their daily structure they don't even question it anymore which is lovely Mm, yeah, yeah. Sounds like you've you've managed to nail that. Yeah, it was more summer holidays that I really noticed a difference in me. But now we're back to routine again. I'm coming on leaps and bounds again. It's just that little blip in the road where they get two months off and I was like, oh gosh, how am I going to juggle this one? But actually now we're back on track again. I'm back to being able to do it in the day and I can do it at night. So it's all good. But it's interesting that you say that there's people there that have six children and manage it and i'm presuming not all those six are at school so that's really good to know that maybe my subconscious was making a few excuses who knows <laughs> yeah, so i'll have to delve in a bit deeper there and find out why i was having an issue with it um but yeah so do you feel um like from an emotional and physical benefit point of view i know how it impacts and helps me but what would you say are some of the main areas that help emotionally and physically or and how people could benefit if they've never done meditation before what would you say if you were trying to sell it to somebody <laughs> well okay here's the thing that i'm finding obviously you could go and look on google a very dry list of, of benefits but what i like is when people learn the meditation from me and they keep it up and maybe they don't like literally love it it's not like every single time they meditate they're really blissed out and happy sometimes it might be difficult or boring or whatever they they might not always have a perfect experience but they keep it up anyway because they think something good is going on and then what will happen is one day something will happen where it shifts their mindset and they'll say oh wow okay this is happening for me and usually that will show up in some odd way for example i got an email recently from somebody and they said oh hi jimmy i just wanted to let you know something i was walking to work today and i walked past this tree and i walked past this exact same tree every day for the last three years and i never really noticed it and then today i was walking to work and i just saw it and i just had to stop and stare at it 
And I just became completely absorbed in the beauty of looking at this tree, this tree that I've seen every day for three years. And suddenly I was looking at it and it was as if it was the first time I'd ever seen it. The lights, the shades, the colors, the brightness. And as I was looking at it, my mind just went completely quiet. And <laughs> what, you know, they had a kind of spiritual experience where they merged with this tree briefly. And what's happening there is that they're meditating every single day and their mind over time is becoming meditative outside of the eyes closed medit meditation practice. Yeah. And suddenly in that moment with that tree, they just had a moment of spontaneous meditation because their mind is becoming more meditative, even when they're not meditating. And if you put somebody in a brain scanner and had a look at them, what you would see is that the brainwave patterns that are happening during meditation are now happening when they're not meditating and the whole world and life is becoming meditative. Yes, and I hear this so much and, and I see it in my own clients. And I think that we have such a busy, fast paced life that if we never have any stillness, we're just not really appreciating or taking anything in as soon as we start to practice we then start bringing that into our external world as well as our internal and now I will go to places and it makes me a better mum because I will say to my children just look at that beautiful river or look at those birds and so then they start to be like oh yes mummy's right whereas before I did all that um, and I have been doing it for a long time before I had children but I noticed the changes in me looking back and how now I just see the whole of the world in a completely different in a completely different space to how I used to mm, well that's it yeah that's quite normal for people who, who take this up to look back and say god how did I do without this all that time yes yeah Exactly. And it's lovely, you know, to have that memory because I've been meditating for a long time. You think you'd start to slowly forget how you used to be, but I really haven't. And I think maybe I haven't for a reason, because actually I really like the fact that I do remember what I was like and how I was in order to kind of tell others how it can benefit, if that makes sense. Mm. I said to somebody just yesterday, actually, what what benefit do you think you've got from it? And he said, you know, I used to always lie in bed at night and what would pop up in my mind is stupid things that I'd said either earlier that day or earlier that week or just some time in my life, just times when I'd embarrassed myself, usually, you know, drunk in the pub or something like that. And these thoughts would just really, really nag away at me when I was trying to get to sleep. And he said, I just don't have that anymore. I just go to bed and if there are some annoying thoughts, then there are some annoying thoughts, but they just don't really affect me in the same way they used to. And I imagine for his mental health, this is just the best thing ever because you're, you know, you, that's going to solve any sleeping problems. It's going to solve some of your stress problems, but it just makes your mind a nicer place to spend some time. Absolutely. And from a spiritual perspective, and I know we've been talking a lot from scienti scientific, sorry, um, you are actually raising your vibration. So by doing that, you're actually, you know, you have those kind of like ego mindsets where you know you're getting these little gremlins I like to call them gremlins coming in and kind of telling you you're not good enough or you did this or how how embarrassing were you when you did that and you're lying there thinking about all these things and how you could have done it differently and I think the more you meditate 
the more powerful you become, the more you kind of reprogram the subconscious to not allow the gremlins to even come in. And you're raising your vibration. So you're just literally going from that three dimension to that five dimension. And I truly believe that putting the two together, the scientific and the spiritual kind of just creates this big firework of like, yes, that's what it's all about. I wish science and spirituality would kind of come together a bit more, if I'm honest. Well, it's funny you say that, actually, because on, on this course that I teach, it's cut up into four parts. And on the day four section, I try and um, talk about the ancient roots of this practice that, I, that I've been teaching them, where that comes from, which is uh, the Vedas in India. And then I kind of talk about how those what those ancient yogis of India believed um, about how reality is, how that maps onto quite nicely what a lot of the quantum physicists like Owen Schrodinger and Einstein and people like that about things that they were the they've, they've theorized and things that have come out, you know, even in the last hundred years. Yeah. And I kind of show that these these two things, the science and the spirituality, can be seen as two sides of the same coin. And what's amazing, actually, is when you look at these um, quantum physicists, the people in science who looked deeply into the nature of reality, more deeply than anybody ever had, they start talking like yogis and mystics. It's yes, quite amazing. <laughs> I know, it is. And they don't even really realize they're doing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Loads of them became like super spiritual people like Max Planck. And um, I just find it once I discovered this, I found it so fascinating. And then um, I also talk a little bit about there's a conference called Sand. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's actually it's Sand stands for science and non-duality meaning um, non-duality is really what spiritual people might normally call oneness. It's a more scientific term for it. And it's really a load of scientists, celebrities, philosophers, spiritual people all get together once a year at these conferences and they kind of hash it out and talk about how the science maps onto or backs up or disagrees with you know, these ancient spiritual teachings and practices that go back many, many years. And so I really think there is room in uh, science for spirituality and there's room in spirituality for science. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel as well, like with doctors as well, if they were to be more open to it. And I think we are moving into um, a time where things are becoming easier. I noticed that they were actually... Um, advertising for Reiki practitioners within the NHS. So I feel that it is going in the right direction. They definitely are very much about cognitive behavioral therapy. They're about mindfulness. Um, so it's just more about the understanding and giving everybody a chance to have their view. I think years ago, it was very much just written off. Um, and now I feel that it is becoming more acceptable, which is lovely. So this technique that you offer, the Delve Deep med Meditation, can you just tell me a bit more about this specific technique? Technique, Because obviously everybody or lots of people know what, not necessarily know how to meditate, but they know the meaning of meditation. They know what mindfulness is. But this, the Delve Deep Meditation, obviously it's your specific technique. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, the delve deep uh, technique is is really just the name that I've given to the specific way that I teach it. Right. So it, it comes in three parts. When I teach people, I get them to do um, a short kind of uh, mindfulness, mindful breathing exercise at the beginning. And that's only two minutes, really. But it's a kind of bridge that will take you from your busy, stressful life 
into a feeling of uh, your body and your breath very, very quickly, just to sort of ground you in the moment and get you ready for the main part of the meditation. Yes. Um, so you move from the mindful breath technique into the mantra portion of the meditation. And that's the main part of it, really. And this is an ancient style of meditation from the Himalayas. It's been around for years. It was originally brought to the West by a Hindu monk back in the 1960s. And millions of people have learned this. And basically, when I talk about meditation, this is what I'm referring to most of the time. So I teach people how to use a mantra. And you can think of a mantra as being a, um, well, it's a Sanskrit word, but it's really yeah. a sound. So it's a soothing sound with a vibrational quality. And you hold that in your mind in a very easy and gentle and delicate way. And you, you meditate on that. And you're not trying too hard. You're not trying to force it or stay with it. You're just holding it in your mind in a very, very calming way so that thoughts can fall away. But eventually, even the mantra can, mantra can fall away as well. So we're not meditating to become good at holding a mantra. Sure. We're just using the mantra to take us into a different place. And um, so, yeah, that's the that's the main part of the, the, the practice. But at the end, what I recognized when I was looking through a lot of the research on this is there was a researcher called Herbert Benson. And he discovered that if you do this kind of meditation, you put yourself into a place of deep relaxation. There's a short window of opportunity at the end of the meditation where you could feed some positive ideas via visualization and affirmation yes. into your mind in this post-meditation state. And it will be Perfect. much more powerful than doing it um when you just if you were to just do it on a normal yeah day I totally totally it. agree with you yeah so that's it so I, I called it the delve deep technique but really it's an amalgamation of other things which are all proven and have been worked out or have yeah been you've just kind of put time. a mix of them into a cocktail really and that's kind of a little bit how I work with my healing actually I work on all I've taken so many different elements of things and, and kind of put them together and my healing practices are about two and a half hours long and you know some Reiki are 20 minutes but um I've put a bit of everything in that I feel will benefit so I love that I love the fact that you've kind of taken what you think works and you've made it your own um so I would love you to run us through a quick simple delve deep meditation now if you feel comfortable to do that just for the viewers to get a little bit of an insight of what they would um kind of experience if they were to join your classes okay well I'll tell you what I can't exactly do the delve deep technique because it requires like quite long periods of silence absolutely that's fine <laughs> but yeah. I can I can I could give you a quick guided meditation yeah just so that people get an idea because I think there are people on this podcast who maybe are fearful of what meditation involves or they feel they don't have the time and if you gave them a little bit of an insight I think yeah. it would make them feel like oh I would like to know more yeah, yeah, no problem at all, uh, because I teach a few different styles of meditation. Delve Deep is the, is the big one, um, but I quite often um, teach people how to do mindfulness and things like that, because all of these things overlap and they all go together. They do, so, they do, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we can do a, a quick mindfulness meditation now, if you like. Perfect, lovely. Um, okay, no problem. So just sit comfortable in a comfortable way. And whenever you're ready, you can gently close your eyes. And we will just start by taking one big deep breath in through the nostrils. And breathing out through the mouth. And allow the breath now to find its own natural rhythm. You don't breathe, 
the body breathes. You don't have to actively do anything. And now take your attention to what you can see. If you have your eyes closed, then you might just see some patterns or shapes or some light coming through your eyelids. Or you might see a visual image that's uh, popping up in your mind. It's a, a mental image on your mental screen. And that's fine as well. That's still an experience of seeing. So just tune into that now. What is your experience of seeing? You don't have to strain or try too hard. Just be aware of the experience of seeing. Okay, and now you can let that go. And we'll do the same thing again, but this time for the experience of hearing. So what can you hear right now? You can hear my voice. You can probably already hear some sounds in the background of where I am. And you might hear some sounds in the background of where you are. Maybe some things even outside in the street or in the distance. So we'll just tune in now to the experience of hearing. You might find that you have some internal talk, a little voice in your head that talks in bursts. And that's also an experience of hearing even though it's not coming from outside of you. And you can be aware of that in the same way. So just tune into that now. What is your experience of hearing? And when you do listen in this way, you're really listening for the, the shape and texture of the sounds. You're not really listening for what they mean. You don't want to be thinking, oh, that's a car, that's a bird. You want to listen in a way that tunes into the sound rather than the conception of what the thing is making that sound. Okay, and now you can let that go. And in a very similar way, tune into what you can feel. So if you let your attention drop down into the body, you might find that some sensations show up, maybe in the feet, maybe in the hands. Maybe you can feel your bum cheeks against the chair or your back against the chair. 
Maybe there's a cool breeze or a warmth in the room. Maybe you can feel your breath moving your chest. Don't have to try too hard. Just become aware of what you can feel physically. You can allow your attention to drift between the various sensations. And if something stands out to you, let's say a tingling sensation or something else like that, you can allow yourself to focus on that for a few seconds before your mind is drawn to some other feeling or sensation. But really we're not directing the meditation, we're just being aware of what comes up. It's not just physical sensations that you may feel. It may also be emotional body sensations. If there is a feeling of nervousness or sadness or love or anything really, that's also an experience of feeling. And that's what we're tuning, to, tuning into now, the experience of feeling. So if you do have an emotional body sensation, see if you can find how that connects to you physically. Where does that show up in the body? And allow yourself to be absorbed in that for a few seconds until your mind is, pulls you, your attention pulls you to something else. And if you are tuning into something that you can feel and something else comes along like a loud sound in the background, you don't have to push it away. You just gently focus on the thing that's in front of you and allow everything else to be in the background. It's no problem. And now, whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. And that's a very short meditation, tuning into your different sensory experience. You can understand yourself on a very deep level by tuning into what's coming up in the present moment in this way. Oh, that was so calming. And it was so still. I didn't even really have any sounds. It was just literally if you dropped a pin, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just so still. But that's probably where I'm so used to meditating as well. I didn't have too much chatter. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You, you, when you get used to it, it becomes very easy. And you, 
you just yeah. look forward to it, but it's just breaking through that barrier in the early days. And do you know what's really interesting? The images that I did ha have come in, I suppose where I'm an intuitive, straight away I could distinguish what that was trying to tell me. And it was the most strangest images, but where I've practiced and where I've kind of on this journey, I think at the beginning you start seeing images and you're like, why am I seeing that? But you start to connect the dots. Um, and I realized why I was seeing that and where I need to take that in my external world um, in the physical. So it's really interesting because a few things came up and I was like, ah, that's what I need to do after this podcast. <laughs> so that was quite funny. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of things that will come out of it. Yeah, because you you kind of take the lid off your subconscious. So your subconscious will pull, push through all kinds of different messages. The important thing I try and tell people is don't get too hung up um, during the meditation on those things, because actually once you finish the meditation, anything that was important will come That's back to exactly you as well. It. Yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't really focusing much, but then it wasn't till I opened my eyes that I thought to myself, oh, what does that link up about? And then it, it was like, ah, oh, that's why. And I often say to people when they're really confused on making decisions, once they meditate, they will have so much more clarity, whether they're given a message within the meditation or they're not, they will still just have a better understanding of what direction to take once they meditate. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Your discernment goes up and to a different level. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. You're on a completely same page as me. Um, and I just wanted to delve in a little bit deeper and delve deep. That's so funny because I didn't even mean it like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I use that term quite a lot. So sorry. Um, yeah, I wanted to just kind of like because there's so many people that that want to know more about meditation and I thought it was really important to kind of cover this in a podcast so you can find more about Jimmy on Instagram at that underscore meditation underscore guy and his website is www.delvedeep.com where you can find all information on meditation courses, workshops and retreats and his guided meditations. You can find me, Hannah Olivia, on Instagram at The Girl Healer and my website is www.thegirlhealer.com where you can find all information on everything healing related that I offer, including intuitive readings, one-to-one -one Skype life path sessions, and distant spiritual healing and my workshops. Thank you for spending a wonderful hour with us today. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we would love it if you could leave us a review, tag us on social media, subscribe and tell your friends. Join us soon for the next Healing Hour podcast with The Girl Healer. Thank you very much. Oh,